It's good to see brother and sister back with us this morning. So good to see y'all. You have your Bible here with you. Go ahead and take it out, please, to go into your New Testament, to the book of 1 Corinthians. Go back to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to thank Brother James, my dear friend, for reading our scripture reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I got to tell you that out of all of the sections of scripture in the Bible, none probably get my imagination running more wildly than this one. I got to tell you that this text right here in 1 Corinthians 15, it really fires me up. It really gets me excited. It really gets my heart racing about 120 miles per hour. It really makes me wonder, well, what is this day going to be like? What is this event going to be like? What is it going to be like on, on the day of our resurrection? What is it going to be like on the day of our resurrection? I ask you that question this morning because that is exactly the topic that Paul is dealing with here in this chapter. You see, while the resurrection of Jesus is certainly the core aspect of the gospel here in this section, we need to understand that Paul is not really focusing so much on the Lord's resurrection as he is our resurrection. He's talking about our resurrection here. He's talking about my resurrection and, and he's talking about your resurrection. He is saying that because Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, we can trust with 100% certainty that we're going to be raised as well. We're going to be raised just like Jesus was raised. The question is, do you believe that? You believe in the day of our resurrection. I ask you that question because you need to understand that there are a lot of people who don't. There are a lot of people who don't believe in the day of our resurrection. For example, if you remember in the time of Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he constantly debated and went to battle against a, a group of religious teachers called the Sadducees. You remember the Sadducees? Remember one of the key differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees was the fact that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They did not believe that the dead were going to be raised and neither did apparently many of the brethren in Corinth. I mean, that's exactly why we have 1 Corinthians 15 in the Bible in the first place. The very reason why Paul even had to write 1 Corinthians chapter 15 was to combat the false belief that many of the brethren there had that there was not going to be a resurrection. Many of the saints in Corinth did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And let us not also forget about the atheists today. And the agnostic and even the preterist who, who denies a bodily resurrection of the dead. You see, for the last 2,000 years, there have been a lot of people who advocate a denial of the resurrection. The question is, do you? Do you also deny a bodily 
resurrection? Do you believe, really believe what the Apostle Paul is teaching in this chapter? Well, if you don't mind this morning in our study from God's word, I, I want to talk with you about that. I want to study with you about that. I want to study with you about this day Paul is talking about here. On a day when a lot of religious folks are thinking about the resurrection of Jesus, I want to talk with you about the consequences of his resurrection. I want to talk with you about our resurrection. I want to talk with you about the day of our resurrection. And the first thing I want to say about this day is this. The first thing I want us to understand is when it comes to the day of our resurrection, this day, brothers and sisters, is part of the one hope we have as Christians. It is part of the one hope we have as Christians, the one hope we have of being able to go to heaven to be with God. If you remember this morning, we studied from Ephesians 4, didn't we? Remember there in that chapter, Paul says, he says that there is one Lord, there's one Holy Spirit, there's one faith, there's one baptism. He even says there is only one hope. As Christians, we, we share a common hope, and we need to understand that, that the resurrection is a big part of that one hope. It is a big part of this hope we have of one day getting to go to heaven to be with God. There's a lot of Bible verses that teach this. Philippians chapter 3, Paul deals with this quite a bit. This was a big deal to the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20, Paul says that his main goal in life was to know Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He goes on to say, being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Notice how Paul, he wanted to attain the resurrection. He wanted to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul makes this same point when standing before the Sanhedrin council. In Acts 23, when he was being persecuted by the Jews, the Bible says in Acts 23, verse number six, that when Paul was standing before the Sanhedrin, he perceived that one of the groups there was Sadducees. Remember, the Sadducees, they believe in the resurrection. Paul knew that. And so he's going to strategically try to divide the council. He's going to get them to focus on their disagreement about the resurrection instead of focus on, focusing on him. He perceived that a group were Sadducees. And the other Pharisees, and he began crying out to the council, brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee, and I'm on trial for the hope, notice, for the hope and resurrection of the dead. Notice how Paul says that he had hope in the resurrection of the dead. Paul says he had hope in the fact that all those in the tombs would one day come forth. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in the tombs, notice the word all, all who are in the tombs, will hear his voice and will come out. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the bad deeds or, or the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Are you in 1 Corinthians 15? Look at verse number 20. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 20, Paul says, after talking about 
the resurrection of Jesus and how Jesus was raised and seen all over the place after he was raised. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. That's one of the core things we share as Christians is our belief in a risen savior. Now that Christ has been raised from the dead, he's the first fruits. Brother Dale mentioned first fruits in his first talk this morning. The Bible here talks about first fruits with the resurrection too. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. He was the best of that crop. The first to never die again. The first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man, this is Adam here, came death. By a man or another man, that's Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. For each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ or belong to Christ at his coming. Then it's going to come the end, the end of all things. When he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. What's Paul talking about there? What's Paul talking about there in those verses? Well, my friends, he's talking about our subject matter for this morning. He's talking about what we studied in our Bible class. Last Wednesday, he's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. He is saying that contrary to what the atheist believes, contrary to what the agnostic believes, contrary to even what the preterist believes, there's coming a day of resurrection. There's coming a day in which the same God who created the world and everything in it in six literal days, he's going to raise the dead. He's going to raise all the dead. He's going to reunite every soul with its body. That's what the resurrection is. The resurrection is a reuniting of the soul that is in Hades with the body. Paul says that when the Lord comes again, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to take place. And we can be absolutely certain of this because it happened to Jesus first. Because Jesus was raised. Because Jesus came out of that tomb on that faithful Sunday morning 2000 years ago. We can live our lives with confidence, knowing that we and every departed saint will experience the very same thing. We're going to be raised. This is like Jesus was raised. This is part of our hope. As Christians, we hope to attain the resurrection from the dead. But not only do I want us to understand that this is part of our hope as Christians. A second thing we also need to point out is on the day of resurrection, we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed. We're not going to look like this. Instead, we're going to be transformed. We're going to have different bodies. Don't get so used to this body you have right now. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 42. Follow me here because we're about to do some deep Bible study here. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. Paul says, so also, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. Look at verse number 50. Verse number 50, Paul goes on to say, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 
nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment. And the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality. Let's just stop right there. Let's just stop right there for just a second. I want you to notice carefully here the two different kinds of bodies that Paul mentions in that text. First, I want you to notice how Paul mentions the perishable body. You see that? He mentions the perishable or the corrupted or the earthly body. He mentions the body that is sown into the ground. Question, what is that? What is the corrupted body? What is the perishable body? What is the body that is sown into the ground? Well, I want to suggest that we should all know what that body is because we see it all the time. We should be very familiar with that body. We see that body when we look in the mirror. We see that body when we go to our social media pages and we look at all of our pictures. That body that Paul's talking about there is our physical body. That is a reference to our flesh. That is a reference to the bodies we have while we live on this earth. That is a reference to the body that is suitable and able to live here on planet earth. That is a reference to the body that breathes oxygen. And it needs water and food and sleep to survive. That is a reference to the body that ages and changes over time. And it gets sick and weak and is subject to things like cancer and diabetes and high blood pressure and arthritis and heart attacks and strokes and surgeries and bad eyesight. And your ears get out of whack and, and is even subject to COVID. The physical body. The physical body is the perishable body. It is the corruptible body. It is the body that ages and it wears down and it eventually dies. Right now, we all, we all have the perishable body. But notice how Paul says on the day of our resurrection, we're going to be given another body. We're going to be given a second body and the second body it's going to be very different from the first body. You see, whereas the first body, this body we have now, is a perishable body. Paul says the second body we're going to be given on the day of our resurrection, that's going to be an imperishable body. That's going to be a spiritual body. That's going to be a body that is perfectly suitable to live in heaven with God forever. That's going to be a body that will never age. It will never get old. It will be forever young, forever strong. It will never die. It will never decay like the bodies we have right now. Paul says that on the day of our resurrection, God is going to give us imperishable bodies. In fact, to illustrate his point, I want you to notice carefully. 
want you to notice carefully the, il the illustrations or the examples he uses. Notice the illustrations he uses to emphasize how God is perfectly capable of giving us these kinds of bodies. First, notice how in verses 37 and 38, in verses 37 and 38, he mentions seeds. Do you see him talk about seeds there? He says that when seeds go into the ground, they don't look the same way when they come up out of the ground. For those of you who like to plant and garden, you know that firsthand, don't you? You know exactly what Paul is talking about here firsthand. You know that when you put a little bitty seed in the ground, it may come up wheat. Or it may come up corn or it may come up a tomato tree or a banana tree or an apple tree or a pecan tree. But one thing it won't come up looking like is it won't come up looking like it did when it went to the ground. You don't plant a little seed and find the little seed coming up out of the ground. Paul uses that example to talk about the imperishable body. And then in verse 39, verse 39, notice how he mentions the animals. You see how he mentions the animals? He, he says that when it comes to these animals, all these creatures God has made, God has given them all different bodies. He's given them all bodies that are perfectly suitable for their environment. He gives one kind of body to the fish and another kind of body to the birds and another kind of body to the beast of the field. God gives all of these different creatures different kinds of bodies. And that is evidence that he is perfectly capable and able of giving us new spiritual bodies that are suitable to live with him in heaven for eternity. That's the point Paul is making there. He talks about seeds. He talks about animals when trying to emphasize the imperishable bodies we're going to be given. And then also notice how in verses 40 through 41, when describing our bodies that we're going to be given on the day of resurrection, he calls them glorious. He says they're going to be imperishable and they're going to be glorious. When describing our glorious bodies, notice how there in verses 40 through 41, he mentions the sun, doesn't he? He mentions the moon. He mentions the stars. He says that all of these things differ from one another. All of these things were made by God. All of these things receive some kind of glory from God. And in the same way, we're going to receive that as well. On the day of our resurrection, we're going to receive glory. Our bodies on that day will receive glory from God. He mentions the sun and the moon and the stars. And then in the next few verses, he starts talking about seeds again. He, he says that just like a little seed can produce a huge plant or stalk, or just like a little acorn can produce something tremendous and wonderful, so also it's going to be for us on the day of our resurrection. You see, just like in the case of little seeds and little acorns, what's going to come out of the ground when we are raised will be far more glorious than what went into the ground. He says what was sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. He mentions the sun 
He mentions the moon and the stars. He mentions the things sown into the ground when describing our glorious bodies. And then the third thing he says here is the best thing of all. In verse number 45, Paul says that if you really want to know how glorious our heavenly or spiritual bodies are going to be, then all you need to do is look unto Jesus. All you need to do is look unto the very Son of God. Paul says that right now, every single one of us, I don't care how old or young we may be. I don't care what the color of our skin may be. I don't care if we are male or female. We all look like the same person right now. We all look like the first man God ever created. We all look like Adam. We all have these bodies that decay and are corrupted as a result of sin like Adam. We all look like the earthly man, Adam, right now. But on the day of our resurrection, Paul says we're going to look like the heavenly man. We're going to look like the spiritual man. We're going to look like Jesus. We're going to bear the image of Jesus. We're going to receive the same kind of glory that Jesus received when he was raised from the dead. Look at verse number 49 of 1 Corinthians 15 again. Verse 49, Paul says, just as we have borne the image of the earthly, that's Adam, we also we will also bear the image of the heavenly. That's Jesus. We're going to bear the image of Jesus in some way. Now look at Philippians chapter 3. Go back to Philippians. Philippians 3. Verse number 20, Philippians 3, verse 20, Paul says that if you are a Christian, our citizenship, we talk a lot about citizenship and politics today. Well, Paul says as a Christian, your spiritual citizenship, your spiritual citizenship is in heaven, not on the earth. You're a citizen of heaven first, not the United States of America. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity, just like with the body of his glory. By the extortion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Notice how Paul says that when the Lord comes again, he's going to transform our bodies. He's going to conform our bodies to his glory. Paul says there that when this day takes place, the day of our resurrection, we're going to receive glorious bodies. Glorious bodies like Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And let me just suggest that's something we need to always remember. That's something that we always need to keep in the forefront of our minds as we travel through this life. The reason why I say that is because if we're not careful, brothers and sisters, we can get too wrapped up in these bodies we have right now. You understand what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we can get too wrapped up in this flesh. If you don't believe me when I say that, just look around at the world in which you're living in right now. Look around at our culture. Notice how so many people are wrapped up in race. They're wrapped up in the color of somebody's skin. They're wrapped up in appearance. They really believe that the most important thing about them is how they look in the flesh. In fact, some people are so serious about this belief that you know what they're willing to do? They're actually willing to pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for plastic surgeries so they can look like people they see on TV. 
so that they can look like people they see on the talk shows, so that like, look, they can look like people they see in Hollywood. People really do that. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with focusing or, or trying to care about your appearance. There's nothing wrong with brushing your hair and brushing your teeth, putting on a nice suit or a nice dress. Nothing wrong putting on makeup and doing things like that. That's not the point. The point is don't get so absorbed. Don't get so absorbed in this body that you have right now that you neglect being faithful to God so that you can receive something far better on the day of resurrection. The point is, please understand that what you have right now, this body that you have right now, it isn't all there is. It doesn't begin to compare to the kind of body you're going to receive on the day of resurrection if you die faithful to Jesus. And so on the day of our resurrection, we're going to be changed. We're going to receive imperishable and glorious bodies. But then the third thing that's going to happen on this day is death. You know about death. Death is going to be defeated once and for all. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15 again, please. Look at verse number Verse number 54. Let's pick up with verse 54 again. We'll go down to verse 57. Paul says, For when this perishable would have put on the imperishable, and this mortal would have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask a question. I just want to ask a question. Raise your hand if in some way in your life, as you've gone through life, you've been impacted by death in some way. Has anybody here been impacted by death in some way? Any, you lost anybody you love? Thank you. Look at that. Nearly everybody. Everybody. Everybody here has been impacted by death in some way in this life. And aren't you tired of that? You're tired of it. You tired of seeing the people you love suffer and die? Are you tired of seeing that kind of stuff? I know I am. I'm tired of it. You know, this time of the year is kind of tough for me. It's tough for me because tomorrow, April the 5th, is going to mark one year exactly when I lost my grandfather who raised me. Remember, I lost him last year around this time. And if you know that I never seen my biological father, I was raised from the time I was a little baby by my grandparents in Nacogdoches, Texas. And my grandfather died almost a year ago, and there hasn't been a day that's gone by in that year where I hadn't thought about him in some way. When I haven't grieved over him in some way, especially since he did not die part of the body of Christ. That's tough. My grandfather is one of several people that I've lost to death throughout the course of my life, and thanks be to God that on this day we're talking about this morning, on the day of our resurrection, death's going to be defeated once and for all. Thanks be to God that on this day we're going to put off the perishable and we're going to put on the imperishable. We're going to put off the mortal and we're going to put on immortality. We're going to say goodbye to the enemy of death once and for all. Praise be to God 
that that victory will be accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul specifically says that when this day takes place, death's going to be swallowed up. You see that? He says death's going to be swallowed up by Jesus to never impact us again, never again. Well, we have to go to funerals. Never again will we have to take trips to the cemetery. Never again will we have to watch the people we love suffer and die from terrible diseases like like cancer and and heart disease. Never again are we going to have to cry and shed tears because we got to put the people we love in the ground. On the day of our resurrection, death's going to be defeated once and for all. It's going to be defeated for good, these bodies we have right now that were made to die and return to the dust, they're going to be raised and changed and made to live forever. That's what Paul teaches there. The question, though, is this. The final question we need to answer this morning is how should we respond to all of this? What should we do? What kind of application should we make based on this information about the day of our resurrection? Well, I want to suggest to you that the application to this sermon is nothing that I had to sit down and ponder on for a very long time. You know why? Because Paul gave it to me. Paul gave it to me and you in the last verse of the chapter. How should we respond? to the day of our resurrection. Well, when you look at verse number 58, Paul says the first thing we need to do is we need to be steadfast and immovable. Isn't that what the text says? He says, therefore, as a result of what I've told you so far about the Lord's resurrection and your resurrection, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable. What does that mean? What does it mean to be steadfast and immovable as a Christian? Well, simply put, that means that as Christians, as disciples, we need to make sure that we never give up. We need to make sure that we never throw in the towel. We never turn away from Jesus. I don't care what comes our way in life. I don't care what temptation we're we're battling. I don't care what problems or persecutions we got to face in this life. No matter what comes our way, we got to understand that nothing, nothing is worth surrendering the hope we have in Jesus to be raised in glory. Nothing is worth giving up that hope. Staying in an adulterous marriage, it's not worth it. Looking at pornography, it's not worth it. Being part of a church that doesn't even promote the Bible plan of salvation, that's not worth it. Drinking is not worth it. Lying is not worth it. Cheating on our spouse is not worth it. Putting our career or our job before kingdom work, it's not worth it. Nothing we go through in this world is worth giving up the hope of the resurrection. And so instead of giving up that hope, What we need to do, according to Paul, is stand firm in it. We need to be steadfast. We need to be immovable as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. We need to be steadfast and immovable. And then secondly, we need to always, always abound in the work of the Lord. What does that mean? 
What does it mean to always abound in the work of the Lord? Well, simply put, what Paul means there is as Christians, as disciples, we need to be fully invested in the work of God. We need to be deeply immersed in the work of God. We need to go beyond just sitting in the pew or just sitting on the spiritual sidelines to working hard for King Jesus, using whatever talents and abilities he's given us for his glory. We need to do whatever we're able to do and whatever we're capable of doing in the kingdom of God. We need to be steadfast and immovable. And we need to always abound in the work of the Lord. And as we work for the Lord, we need to know that the work we do for the Lord, it's not in vain. It's not worthless. Instead, it's worth everything. It's absolutely worth it. Because Jesus sees everything that we're doing. Because he's with us all the time and because he's promised to give us new glorious, immortal bodies is worth working for him today. It's worth being faithful to him today. It's worth suffering for him today and being people of faith and zeal and making sure we do exactly what he says. Everything we do in the service of God is worth it. Because he's going to raise us in glory. That's what Paul's teaching in that text. He's talking about glorious bodies we're going to receive. The question is, are you on path to receive that body? Right now, as you examine your life, which body are you on path to receive? Are you on path to receive the body we've talked about this morning, the imperishable body, the glorious body? The heavenly body, are you on path right now to receive that body or are you on path to receive a body that will be thrown in heaven or or in hell, I'm sorry, where it will be tormented forever? If the latter describes you this morning, then you can change. You can change that situation. You can change that situation, get on the path to receive the glorious resurrected body by believing in Jesus Christ, believing he died on the cross for your sins, believing that he was raised from the dead, and then repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, confess him as Lord, and then be buried with him through baptism. Experience the one baptism that we talked about this morning. If you would do those things, you can leave here on path to receive a glorious body, and if we can help you with that in any way at all, Come to the front right now as we stand and we sing together. What?